Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Oh, man. Oh, hallelujah. This day is a good day. Uh, you may have heard this one before, but one day a little girl was sitting and watching her mother do dishes in the kitchen sink. She suddenly noticed that her mother had several strands of white hair mixed in with her brunette hair. And she looked at her mother and she asked, why are some of your hairs white, Mom? Her mother looked at her and said, well, every time you do something wrong or make me cry or make me unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. Little girl thought about this revelation for a minute and then asked, so you're the reason why grandma's hair is all white? <laughs> Mother's Day, right? Mother's Day, it originated in the early 1900s. In 1914, it became a recognized holiday. And it's a day that's meant to honor mothers and honor their influence in society and maternal bonds and motherhood itself, right? And so for the last few years, we have been, uh, it has been a blessing. We have been blessed at having uh, the honor of different mothers sharing about what God has laid on their hearts concerning motherhood. And of course, this year is no different. So I think I did one year where I think I preached like the Mother's Day message and it totally fell flat. So I don't know <laughs> kind of how it goes. Uh, so it's always nice to have the mothers come and share about what God has placed on their hearts. This year, we have two mothers uh, that are going to speak to us. But before they do and before we get into it, let's pray together. So, Lord, I thank you for this day that we're able to come together and celebrate mothers, celebrate motherhood. Lord, uh, we pray over those who are here, over those who are watching, those who can call themselves mother, whether naturally, spiritually, whatever the case may be. Lord, we pray over particularly the speakers this morning that you would uh, anoint them with your presence, that the words they speak are under your anointing and under your power. Lord, we pray for those who may be missing their mothers this year, who uh, maybe going through a tough time right now. Lord, we pray that you would give them comfort and peace. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our first speaker has been coming to the church for a few years, and I personally have been blessed by seeing growth both in her faith and in her family. And we as a church are very blessed to hear from her today. Please welcome Delia Warnemont. Um, there's a poem I found several years ago when I was teaching. Um, we always do the moms with uh, muffins with moms. And um, this was so perfect. I've just kept it and found it again for this. Um, if you give a mom a muffin. If you give a mom a muffin, she'll want a cup of coffee to go with it. She'll pour herself some. Her three-year-old will come and spill the coffee. Mom will wipe it up. Wiping the floor, she will find dirty socks. She'll remember she has to do laundry. When she puts the laundry in the washer, she'll trip over her shoes and bump into the freezer. Bumping into the freezer will remind her that she has to plan supper. She'll get out a pound of hamburger. She'll look for her cookbook, how to make 101 things with a pound of hamburger. The cookbook is sitting under a pile of mail. She'll see the phone bill, which is due tomorrow. She will look for her checkbook. The checkbook is in her purse, which is being dumped out by her two-year-old. While she is changing her two-year-old, the phone will ring. Her five-year-old will answer and hang up. She'll remember she was supposed to phone a friend to come over for coffee. Thinking of coffee will remind her she was going to have a cup. 
She will pour herself some more, and chances are, if she has a cup of coffee, her kids will have eaten the muffin that went with it. For me, this is so very true, all except for the part about the cookbook. Does that really exist? Because I can definitely use 101 ideas to make with hamburger. As this poem suggests, motherhood is busy and crazy and messy and isolating at times, but it's also wonderful and fulfilling and beautiful all at the same time. There are funny times, like when Oliver scales the shelf and says, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, because I call him monkey all the time. There are proud moments, like when one of Anastasia's few words is God, as we begin our prayer every eve at supper. There are scary times, like when my water broke a month early at church during a women's event, made for an exciting evening and a great birth story, though. <laughs> there are hilarious times, like when Johnny was about three, and I told him to pick up his wet socks from the floor because, if anything, I was going to teach him to pick up after himself because the girl he married someday would appreciate it, and he responded with, Mama, I'm not going to marry no girl. As he's now in his teenage years, I think he may have changed his opinion on that. Uh, there are times when I'm completely overwhelmed and exhausted. My mantra for a while was the song Just Breathe by Johnny Diaz, just played on repeat several times throughout the day. Because seriously, I think my children have a contest to see how many times in a day they can get me to say, get down. <clears throat> when my oldest was younger, I didn't think I was ever going to have more kids. But God provided a wonderful man and two more children for me. However, sometimes I wonder if I'm the right person for it. Sometimes it hits me that it's such a responsibility trying to teach them everything they need to know. Right from wrong, how to share, because that can be a full-time job. Numbers, colors, letters, so much more. And as I now have a teenager, how to navigate high school with all its issues and starting to make decisions for his future. Then there are moments where my children show love to one another, and I know it's because of the love they are shown. The moments when Anastasia was little and she would hug us and pat our backs because we patted hers when she was upset. The days where Oliver tells me 50 times he loves me, sometimes 20 times an hour and or five times in a minute. Or like this morning, came in the bathroom while I was showering just to tell me. <clears throat> Looking for Bible verses on mothers, I found John 16, 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. As a mother who has unfortunately had three C-sections, I can say this is true. There is much pain, but every time you hold that sweet child in your arms, all else falls away. Children are a joy and a blessing that God gives us. I don't always remember this in the hard times, in the trying times. I don't always have the patience I wish I would, especially the last couple of years struggling with postpartum depression. But I thank God for giving me the strength to keep going and for giving me tomorrow to always try to do better. And I thank all of you here for being my church family and for the support and love you show me, my husband, and my children, and for the many prayers said on our behalf. Amen. Thank you, Delia, for sharing. Man, it's always good when God, God moves upon our hearts. Amen. Uh, our next speaker has a lot of problems. She does. I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. She has a lot of problems in her life. Probably the biggest is her husband. Uh, her husband can be thoughtless at times, but he always uh, redeems himself with grace and humor. Uh, and it also helps that he's very handsome. So, uh, <laughs> It'd be funny if I called out somebody else than my wife. But... <laughs> Uh, 
Now, her children are blessed to call her mom, and I am blessed to call her my wife. So please welcome Jackie Hovinga. He said he was going to give me a good setup, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to follow what Delia shared. <laughs> so, thank you for sharing that, Delia. Thank you. Um, well, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, this morning, I wanted to share about a few mothers um, in the Bible and how they relate to being a mother today. Um, but first, I, I want to give a shout out to um, my own mom, Bonnie. And uh, David gave me permission to throw him under the bus a little bit, at least once. So has anybody ever heard the name Bonnie before? Anybody? Okay, thank you. We had that discussion the other day. <laughs> but anyway, so thank you to my mother, Bonnie, for how she um, prayed over us and raised us. And, and to my mother-in-law, Rose, because without her, I wouldn't have him. <laughs> My life would be less interesting. <laughs> there would be less, less laughter for sure. Um, but anyway, so um, just thank you for all the um, natural mothers, adoptive mothers, foster mothers, spiritual mothers that are in our congregation this morning. So um, I also want you to know that God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for those that he has trusted you with, your children, your spiritual children. Um, being a Christian mother involves a lot of trust, a lot of trust. So I'm glad Jenny shared what she said this morning about just we have to trust. We know especially when we choose to stand before the church and dedicate our babies that God wants us to trust him with the precious gifts he's given us, and that includes our children. You'll notice a pattern in these stories of how these mothers entrust their children to God. So this isn't a new concept. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, the first mom we're going to take a look at this morning, of course, um, is going to be Eve. Uh, she starts in the book of Genesis. She's kind of the first mother of crea in creation. So we know her as the first mother on earth. And God said that it's not good for a man to be alone. And he says this in Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. In Genesis 3, we see the fall of man with Eve being deceived by the serpent, which we know is Satan. It is after this event that God tells Eve that she will now experience pain in childbearing. In Genesis 3.16, he says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be toward your husband, but he shall rule over you. So yes, there is pain in childbirth, but yes, thankfully, once they are placed in your arms, we forget it for a little while, you know, just for a little while. <laughs> we like to bring it out, you know, every once in a while when things are going you know, when they kind of get smart. <laughs> Eli's laughing at me. In Genesis chapter 4, we see where Cain is the firstborn and then Abel. Uh, not much is said about how Cain and Abel were raised, other than Cain being a worker of the ground and Abel being a keeper of the sheep. But we do know that there is some jealousy there, which leads to Cain killing Abel over Abel's sacrifice being more pleasing to God. 
Um, several years later, another son is born to Adam and Eve, and his name is Seth. And then it goes on to say that more sons and daughters are born, but they're not named or numbered. So to summarize um, why I brought up Eve, God's plan for Eve was to be fruitful and multiply, um, as it says in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So while that seems like a big calling, a big task to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the entire earth with creation, it's, it's a blessing. I don't think I know any mother that wouldn't be able to look at her children and not say that they're a blessing. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, um, my children are definitely a blessing to me. And I mean that, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> so the next mother that we're going to talk about is Sarah. Um, I think we're all kind of familiar with Sarah and Abraham's story, um, but this is also found in Genesis. And Sarah was married to a man named Abraham. And Sarah was barren or unable to have children. God promised Abraham that he and Sarah would have a son and that nations would descend from them. And he says this in Genesis 17, um, verses 15 and 16. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I don't know how to pronounce the other, her first name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and he shall be, and she shall become nations. I'm sorry, that was a typo. And he shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from him. Years and years went by before the promise was fulfilled. For the sake of time, I won't go too much into what happened in the time that they were waiting. But I will say that Abraham became impatient while waiting. He took another wife, and they had a son. This son was not the son that God had promised. In chapter 18, God visits with Abraham to remind him that he has not forgotten the promise that he made to him and Sarah. So in, eight, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, he says, The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. In chapter 21, Abraham and Sarah see God's promise come to pass. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And she conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me and everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So after praying for so long for a son and finally receiving a son, God asks Abraham for Isaac's life. This next scripture is a little long, so just bear with me here. It kind of gives the story of what's going on. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him 
and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. I can't imagine the conversation that took place between Sarah and Abraham before they left for their journey that morning. I wonder if she knew um, what was going on. I wonder if she knew that Abraham had heard had heard from the Lord. I myself don't like to know, don't, I don't not like to know what's going on. So if, you know, David and Eli are going to wake up early one morning and all of a sudden they're packing all of these supplies and I see knives and fire and wood, I'm going to wonder what's going on. I wonder if he told her, I, I wonder if he told her. I, I just, I can't imagine what she went through thinking, okay, are they both going to come back? <laughs> so thankfully, the story continues. Abraham heard God speaking to him again as he laid Isaac on the altar they built. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. So God said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God wanted to use Abraham and Sarah for such greatness. Kings and nations were going to descend from them. But God had to know that they trusted him. When we lose sight of what God promises us, we take matters into our own hands, such as Abraham did. We think he's forgotten us, and we think he's not moving fast enough, and we only think about ourselves and not about the faithfulness and goodness of God. We forget that we have to wait and be patient while God gets us ready to carry out his plan and his promises. When we're not, when we're not tuned into his voice or following his leading, we miss the provisions that he makes for us. So if Abraham wasn't listening for God's voice, if he wasn't following what God wanted him to do, he would have missed that God provided the sacrifice for him instead of him having to sacrifice his son. The third mom that we're going to take a look at is in the book of Exodus. Her name is Jochebed. She's not talked about very much in the Bible, but she is actually the mother of Moses. So in the second chapter of Exodus, the Israelites were living in Egypt. They began to grow in strength and numbers, which made the Pharaoh very nervous. So he ordered all male children to be killed. Jochebed gave birth to a boy during this time, and she hid the baby for three months. When she could no longer hide the baby, she made a basket and placed him in it. She put the basket by a riverbank, and Moses' sister stood off in the distance and watched. In Exodus 2, 5 through 10, it describes what happens next. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river. While her young woman walked beside the river, 
She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. I could not imagine having to give up any one of my children. In this case, it is easy for us to look at the story because we know that Moses goes on to bring the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. I don't think Jochebed knew that that was God's plan. She just had to trust God has her God had hers and Moses' best interests in mind. The same goes for us as Christians and as mothers. We may not know what God's plan is, but we need to know that he does have a plan and that we may never see that plan come to pass in our lifetime. And this brings me to Hannah. This is a very special story this year for us as we've celebrated so many things that have happened and so many new moms in the church. Many of us are familiar with the story of Hannah, but here's a brief backstory. <clears throat> Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah, and there is another wife named Penina, but we're going to call her Penny for short. <laughs> Hannah was barren, but Penny was not. Hannah was also Elkanah's favorite wife. He gave her everything, but all she wanted to be able to do was give Elkanah a son. And Penny was r- relentless. She was not very nice to Hannah. Um, it says in 1 Samuel 16, I'm sorry, 1, 6 through 7, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as, often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah and wept, had wept and would not eat. A little further on in the story, Hannah goes to the temple to pray. The priest Eli is sitting by the door and hears Hannah weeping bitterly. And this is what Hannah's praying in 1 Samuel 1, 10 to 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. As she vowed a vow, she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. That's quite a prayer to pray and a vow to make. We've all been in this position before where we're praying for something we want so bad that we would do anything to make it happen, whether you're praying for a child or, or anything, a job, you're praying for a child to, re- a child to return home. Um, <clears throat> that's not to say that Hannah was making an empty vow or promise. I truly believe that she meant every word she prayed that day with all of her heart. I believe she had such a love and understanding of God that she just wanted to please him. And as mothers and parents, we love our children so much, the last thing we want to think about is giving them up, no matter what the reason. But when we understand that our children belong to God and that he has great plans for them and that they are just on loan to us for a short while, we can truly trust 
that he will take care of them. He will use them for his honor and his glory. Hannah understood that. So God did allow Hannah to conceive a son, and she named him Samuel. And she honored her vow to God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with, with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And he said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So Samuel stays with Eli, where he studies and learns from him. And Samuel goes on later to become a prophet. We must be willing to raise our children to love and to serve the Lord. It's not always an easy task, but it can be done. Pray for your children daily. And I have that in bold <laughs> capital letters. And I'll read it again. Pray for your children daily and keep praying for them. If they're lost, keep praying for them. If they're not speaking to you, keep praying for them. God continually place them in God's hands. If they're 1, 10, 20, 40, or 80, just keep praying for them every day. And the final mother that we're going to take a look at this morning is Mary. And I knew I would do this again this year, too, where I tapped something and it went all the way to the beginning. There we go. Um, she's the final mother that we're going to take a look at, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there were so many scripture references um, on her in the Bible. Um, and the one that I picked kind of shortly summarizes um, the birth of Jesus, and that's found in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All, his, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and his name was called Jesus. I cannot imagine the weight of the responsibility of, weight, of raising the Messiah. If there were ever a mother or a father even that would understand giving their child back to God, it would be Mary. I don't know if she knew exactly what was going to happen from the beginning of Jesus' life on earth, but, at the t but as the time drew near to his death and later resurrection, I can't imagine what she felt as she saw him crucified, unable to help him, unable to take his place. She had to just stand by and watch him suffer. How many know that that is probably the hardest part of being a parent, just having to stand back and watch your children go through things that you can't always help them with? 
sickness, pain, loss, failure, whatever, whatever it might be. Thankfully, Jesus' death was not in vain. He took on our sins, sorrows, failures, sickness, what have you, and conquered all of it on the cross. I wonder what Mary must have been feeling during the time Jesus was in the tomb. To have watched her son die such a horrific death. To have experienced the loss of a child. To have watched him go through the scourging and the humiliation of crucifixion. But you know what else I wonder about? What joy she must have felt when she saw him again, alive. What honor she must have felt knowing that she was entrusted with such a responsibility that she gave birth to the Messiah. God has big plans for all of you. Even though it's not to give birth to the, and raise the Messiah, you may be charged with raising the next Samuel, Moses, or the next Billy Graham. Just as you encourage your children to seek God's will for your lives, you need to seek God's will for your children's lives as well. Your children will remember how you've prayed for them and gave them wise advice. No matter how far gone they may seem at times, they will remember. So in closing today, whether you're a natural mother, adoptive mother, or spiritual mother, please pray for your children. Pray for those that God entrusts to your care. In doing so, don't forget that just because you don't see it, whatever it is, happening right now, doesn't mean it won't happen. Have peace in knowing that God is working in the lives of your children. Allow him to work in your life as well. Let them see you pray. Let them see you read your Bible, and let them see you worship. Let them see the tears well up in your eyes as, you worship, as a worship song plays on the car radio. So many times we've been on our way to school or been driving somewhere, and I'm just sitting in the front seat and just trying to keep it together, and I know that, that they've seen me worship. I know that they've seen how, how important that is in our family. So... In closing, let them see that God is real. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Oh, she did a good job. Delia, you did a good job. Well, where'd she go? Delia took off. Good job. <laughs> oh, boy. I want to read to you uh, real quickly this morning. We have just a few minutes, and we're going to get out a little, a little early, but that's okay. I'm sure people have plans and whatnot. It says this in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. It says, My son, obey your father's godly instruction and follow your mother's life-giving teaching. Fill your heart with their advice. You know, a lot of times we talk about mothers and fathers. We have Mother's Day and Father's Day, you know, and we talk about those things. And some people didn't have good fathers. Some people didn't have wise mothers. Many of us did. We had loving mothers, and we thank God for them. And, but there, we always think about there's sometimes where people just don't. They're put into unfortunate situations with their parents. And so we say, obey your father's godly advice. Obey your mother's life-giving teaching. So you say, well, I had a difficult relationship with my mother. Or I had a difficult relationship with my parents. How can, how can I honor them on this day to honor mothers when so many things were difficult? And I would say this. 
many of you understand the relationship I had with my father. Where you don't always focus on the difficult, but you pull out the nuggets that you can. And you focus on the godly, and you focus on the life-giving. And you fill your heart with that advice, and you fill your heart with godly things. It goes on to say this. It says, fill your heart with their advice. Let your life be shaped by what they've taught you. Their wisdom will guide you wherever you go and keep you from bringing harm to yourself. Their instruction will whisper to you at every sunrise and direct you through a brand new day. For truth is a bright beam of light shining into every area of your life, instructing and correcting you to discover the ways to godly living. How many are glad for godly mothers? Amen? Evan, you glad for godly mothers? Don't you wish you had one? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Bryce isn't here. Evan, Evan you're going to help uh, pass out some gifts for the mothers today. Did you already tell them, Carol? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, we do have a gift. If you'll, uh, if you'll all stand with us this morning. <clears throat> 